Welcome to the weekend edition of The Daily Writer. Each weekday, we bring you a short lesson that helps you live out the four practices of a great writer. Creativity, consistency, courage, and connection. Here on The Weekend Edition, we take a deeper dive into those topics through conversations with writers, as well as teaching that helps us apply what we're learning. For more, you can visit us at dailywriterlife.com. One of the most enjoyable aspects of doing interviews on this podcast is the ability to talk to a wide range of people who are doing different kinds of work. They all have writing in common, of course, but the range of perspectives and experiences of my guests, they help bring a deeper understanding of the ways that we can impact the world through writing. Well, today is a special episode because I have not one, but two guests who are here to help us understand some different ways to serve people with your words. Specifically, we're going to talk about building your audience through different types of content. So let me introduce my two guests. Kaya Rain is an international and TEDx speaker, transformational healer, success coach, and the creator of the Success from the Soul coaching programs. For more than 15 years, she's helped her clients gain the clarity and confidence they need to experience life-changing breakthroughs in love, business, and purpose. She's passionate about empowering women and girls to own their self-worth and power. Kaya is also the recipient of the White House President's Volunteer Service Award for her humanitarian work domestically and globally. Then my second guest is Dr. Kristen Donnelly, who is an empathy educator, speaker, and researcher with two decades of experience in helping people understand the beauty in difference as well as the power of inclusivity. She is one of the good doctors of Abbey Research, COO of their parent company, and an unapologetic nerd for stories of change. Well, it was a blast having these two ladies on the show, and in this conversation, we dive into different types of content that both of them create to connect with their audience, and they also talk about the processes they use to create content, as well as some of the challenges they face in doing so. Well, again, this was an absolute pleasure having them both on. We had an absolute blast, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. So let's get right to the interview with Kaya Rain and Dr. Kristen Donnelly. Kristen and Kaya, welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast. I'm so glad that we were able to organize this roundtable discussion. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. But first of all, can you share, can you take a couple of minutes each and share basically what it is that you do for your content? What types of content are you creating on a regular basis? And maybe Kaya, let's have you start. Oh, okay, great, great. Uh, thank you so much. It's a it's a delight to be here with you. I absolutely love your podcast and everything it's about. Uh, in terms of creating content, I feel like I usually invite in creating my content. I invite my audience to expand their consciousness, raise their vibration, and reset their mindset. Okay. And so, so that tends to be sort of the through line with everything that I create. And because I feel like in doing that, it's a way of having the audience really tap into their brilliance, their magic, and have them go on a journey. So I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so I love telling stories. And I find it's a great way to really get people to, if you will, in experience an aha moment without them even realizing it. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I'm a little bit different in that I do empathy education. And so my journey is a little bit more about connecting people 
to larger conversations than the one they're happening internally. Um, mm -hmm. So I love this question. Kent, thank you so much for, for having me as well. This is such an honor. But I think my through line, I love that language, Kaya, so I'm going to steal it. My through line is um, helping, helping people reframe their thinking to engage with difference with curiosity instead of defensiveness. And so when they encounter something they don't understand that their next question is, how can I understand it? Rather than that is silly, stupid, wrong, evil, pick a word. Um, and so a lot of our content is informational um, and sneakily trying to teach people how to ask better questions and how to listen more intentionally to the answers that they get. Um, we do a lot more work over video right now because of that, my business partner and I, um, over text because then we can do more with pauses and tones of voice and help people understand your whole body in terms of communication as we try to build an inclusivity rather than just tolerate each other's existences. So our content is a little bit more a little, we're both PhDs. Like we're both giant mm -hmm. nerds who really love researching things. So it's sometimes it's lists of what this religious festival means. Um, but the whole thing is about how do we get our folks to engage with curiosity? That's a wonderful question. Something, I love this aspect of curiosity. One thing that I've talked about here on the podcast before is the idea that Sometimes people are drawn to writing because, well, there's a lot of introverts who are drawn to writing. Mm -hmm. Certainly not every writer is an introvert by any stretch, but I think many people are drawn to writing because it is a way to communicate and a way to add value to people without sometimes having to do all the social interaction engaged in other types of work or other mm -hmm. types of industries. So as we talk about this, this idea of curiosity and empathy, how is it that I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. Now you've really sparked some curiosity. How can writers who are very introverted and maybe uh, don't feel compelled to spend a lot of energy in social relationships, how can very introverted, non-social writers become more curious and empathetic about other people? Well, gracious, this is when I wish I had my partner, Dr. Erin, with me because she is the introvert in our relationship. I am... Um, we are very stereotypical extrovert and introvert dynamic. Um, I am definitely an extrovert. So if I channel her for a minute, what she would say is that um, some of it is beginning to manage, to understand how much input you can take at once. Hmm. So what, how much, um, like, like, for instance, podcasts are difficult for her because okay. she can't auditorily learn as easily as she can visually. Okay. So if she's I going agree. to listen to a podcast, which she does, it is a, it's a discipline and it's like, a, I have to set myself time for this. It isn't just something that can happen in the background. Whereas documentaries, she can have running in the background while we are doing admin work. Okay. Um, and so part of a huge part of an introvert is understanding how much um, stimulation can you take at once? And what is the most productive method of stimulation to get that takes the least out of you? So she would tell you to start there. And then I think she'd tell you to, cause I, and I, I she has told this to other people and she said it on our, on our channel. Um, and in our writing is, um, there is no shortage of books, podcasts, documentaries, movies, stories, children's books. I love reading YA these days, especially cross-cultural YA, because there's so much in that. And so picking the thing that works for you and then finding stories that don't sound familiar 
and then taking however long you need to sit with those in your own introversion um, and simply ask, you know, a simple question of like, go in with, if I was an introvert in this society, what would it feel like? If I was in this story, what would it feel like? If this was my life, what would it feel like? And start there because so much of introversion isn't about shyness. It isn't about not wanting to be with people. It's so much more about stimulation and input. And so managing your own stimulation and input is going to be a key to this, um, I think. I think that is really hard for a lot of introverted writers because we, we seem to live in a world that's very extroverted. There's so much noise and chatter and conversations happening online. In real, well, maybe not so much in real life the past year with the pandemic, but certainly online. Um, and I think a lot of introverted writers feel a little bit guilty because they, we sort of, and I say we, I guess I'm one of those people, you kind of reach reach a point in the day where you sort of just like hit your limit. Like there have been many times I've gone home and I just told my wife, like, I'm just zoomed out today. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I can mentally have another conversation if I've packed my day full of like eight hours of, of Zoom things. So mm-hmm. Kaya, do you have this experience too? Are, are you more introverted, extroverted? How do you relate to all this? Oh, I am a big introvert. And so, so Kristen, everything you were sharing was like right on point. Oh, good. And <laughs> yes, it was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, and I feel the same way. So with me, what I tend to do is I create a spiritual daily practice just so I can even manage my energy throughout oh, the day. That. Yeah. Right. And, and same, you're right. Point on, I know how much stimulation I can take. I allow myself to rest. And it actually took a while for me to be able to do that because Kendall, like you said, you know, you feel guilty. And it took me a while to realize that, you know, I am overly stimulated. There's only so much I can take and to really give myself permission. That is to so- take the, Yes. It was a game. It was a total game changer when I was able to give myself permission and really, you know, and we live in this world where a lot of times we want to feel like we're limitless and we are right. We're, I really believe we're divine beings and we're limitless, but I also think within the context of our physicality and just allowing myself to understand that it totally changed my work, the way, the way I work with my clients and, and everything, because I was able to just step back and say, this is what I need to function at my best. And as an extrovert, it's such a gift when we're told that, like when we are also, um, Mm -hmm. every human needs to be reminded that our way to be human is not the default one. That just because you function a certain way doesn't mean everybody else functions a certain way. And you are right, Kent, this world, especially the United States is geared for extroverts. It's geared for loud overstimulation, constant input. It's geared for that. And we pretend that the pandemic wasn't that because we were all isolated, but that's bunk because Zoom is input, stress is input, trying to make sure your panic through this is input. You are your own input machine as well. And extroverts need to learn that and we need to guard that in relationship with each other and understand that even though Kai and I are going to interact with stimulation differently, we mm-hmm. are both hu- spiritual beings having human it's experiences like and we need to do this together um, so that extroverts don't accidentally steamroll introverts, which we do. All <laughs> the then there's the opposite side. Yes. Where all the introverts are really the ones you have to watch out for because they might be quiet and they might be sitting on the edges or in the corners of yes. the they're the ones who are like planning these elaborate strategies to yes. act re- retribution on the people who have 
harmed them and maybe I shouldn't admit I know I probably wouldn't do that, but but I agree with you. We're, <laughs> the, we're the feelers and thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> it may take me five years, but I will get my revenge. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I do want to, so this conversation is going a whole different way than I imagined it. And I'm so glad because the questions that I had prepared were kind of boring. Um, we still get to true. <laughs> But uh, this is really why I do a show because I get to talk to cool people and I learn stuff yeah. and um, podcast listeners get to kind of listen in. So yeah. I want to jump back to something, Kai, that you mentioned is storytelling, which is such a key and critical skill that we have today. And when we blend it with the desire to be empathetic, Kristen, like you talked about, I, I would love for you to, for both of you to, to reflect on this a little bit, if you can, how do we... How do we tell better stories, particularly when it comes to our content, social media content, email newsletters, writings, speaking, whatever it is that we do? How do you go about telling a story that has an emotional component that then relates to, to the person that you're trying to reach? Do you have a process? Do you have a particular framework? How do you do that in, in your work? You want to take it, Kristen? Sure. Um, I will give my fellow intro, my introvert some time to, to, to process. <laughs> exactly. Um, happy <laughs> to do you. that. Um, that is an ultimately, I'm going to sound like an academic or a lawyer when I say it entirely depends, but <laughs> the, the, yeah. the um, I think more than anything, I seek to answer questions in what I'm writing. So I, and that is just, that's our business model too. So like most of our newsletter titles are questions and the newsletter inside is an answer. Okay. Um, and that helps us frame how you tell that story and how you can connect things. Um, and I think a lot like how do you, I think a lot in object lessons as stories. I know that sounds, that may sound nuts, but I was a professor and for a little while I taught sociology. And before that I was a youth worker. And I, sometimes I would have to come up with talks on the fly to occupy a room full of teenagers. Mm -hmm. And all I've got is like, what's in my purse to figure out how to tell a story. Um, and so I can do, I do that a lot. So if we're talking about, let's say for instance, I just wrote a newsletter over what is intersectionality. That's a massive word that people are using kind of a lot right now without talking about it. Well, intersectionality comes from somewhere. It was coined by a legal scholar named Kimberly Crenshaw back in the 1980s, who's a genius and she's been doing it. But the best way I know how to explain it to people is that every human being is a, is a rug. And we all come with different threads that make up the beautiful thing out front, but the threads come from different places and they all have different importance or weight within the pattern, but we're all rugs. And so the newsletter includes a story about how I got to go to India and sit and watch rugs get made. And like, that was a pretty easy connection. Um, but then there are other times where I sit and stare at the wall for a solid three days before I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to throw something down and hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> I can't make this happen in my brain. Um, you made me feel so much better about my own content. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And then that's why we have editors. Like um, I'm a huge fan of that you got to get it on the page to edit it. Yes. And that often you are not the best person to edit it in terms of how it communicates to other people. No one else lives in my brain, which you should all be grateful for. So that's why <laughs> I write in community. And before we send anything out, my partner and sometimes even our mentors have eyes on it, depending on the weight of what we're saying um, and depending on the topic we're talking about. But yeah, I throw spaghetti at the wall all the time. Like I've been semi-professionally writing for 20 years and I still don't know what I'm doing. We're all just, I just figure it out differently every day. 
you've made me feel so much better about all the stuff that I put together. I know. <laughs> so, so glad. Sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, Amy Pol in the introduction to Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please, she talks about writing as though you're taking a toothpick to a freezer full of ice. And some days you hit it at the right angle and everything's perfect. And other days you're just standing there screaming because the wood is breaking against the ice. And I was like, that is the most, that's it. That's my writing that's experience. <laughs> so. I found that the same thing is true for, for all of my stuff as well. So I do, a, this is part of a daily podcast, of course. And it's always surprising to me when I look at my podcast stats, the things that I thought would really be impactful, nobody cared about. I, I, Right. The things that uh -huh. I many times the things that you just throw out there, you're like, I'm desperate. I got to put something out. Yeah, yeah. Are yes. the best things, and like, yeah, what I'm is like, up with that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But I feel like I, I'm not any closer. That's to humble. The exactly. I think exactly. you just have to put stuff out there and see what, see what sticks to the wall. And I guess over time, you get a sense of the pattern of really what people are responding to and where your sweet spot is and what people want. Um, yeah, and, and it never yeah, ceases I'm to be a surprise. Kai, does that connect with how you manifest energy? Is that is is does that resonate in your work? Oh, absolutely. I okay. mean, you know, just so you know, it used to take me six hours to write a blog post. Oh, that's oh, that's so hard. Okay, <laughs> so it it you know, and now I'm down to you know twenty minutes, <laughs> half hour. Yeah, most, it's a muscle right? that we all have to work out. Yeah, it, it, and it is, and also had a lot of mindset around that. But I feel like uh, in terms of telling a story. I feel like for me in my writing, I look to invoke. Uh, I, <laughs> I love that right? word. I, 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 yes. You know, to invoke a certain level, again, you know, a, a level of awareness and consciousness, because I'm really all about elevating the, the mindset, the reset, just for that, for that individual. And so I will share a story, whether it be of myself overcoming, you know, I, 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 at one point, hated my life, attempted suicide, and all of that. Uh, my self-esteem was in the pits and, and, and all of that. And also, too, I will use stories of my clients' successes as well. And really, in, but the way I, I marry, you know, the two together is really for more for the, the reader to connect with what can I receive from this so I can see this and this, this is possible for me. And so it's, it's really a path of allowing them to connect and see and, and really envision what's possible for me. Or also, oh, I'm, I can think differently about this. And I think also because my work, a lot of it is, is channeled, I feel. <laughs> you know, I will, I, will, I will have this idea where the way I process sometimes will be, okay, spirit, what should I share today? What is being called forth to be shared today? And that's where a lot of my ideas will come from. And, you know, it used to take me six hours because I wasn't tapped in to the abundance of the universe. And when I started tapping into that, it would be like, okay, I'm ready to write, even though I write every day, but I don't create content every mm -hmm. day. Same. I do, Same. Right? There's a big and difference. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so just realizing, if you will, that the universe is abundant mm. and that what the language that you need, the words that you need is there. 
And just learning that process for me was also a, a game changer to not realize, oh, I don't get stuck as much anymore because it also allows me to slow down and know, okay, I have this idea and an idea will come, a topic will come mm-hmm. and I can just pause and just know, okay, whatever I'm needing, the language, the information, it's all going to come. And it's, it's, it's really been a beautiful experience and journey. That sounds so powerful. That is not my experience. And so I love that that's yours. Like mine is much, much more um, idea bank driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more content calendar. It's definitely more content calendar driven. Um, but I think my version of what you just said would be that I had to learn that there were days that I had to consume and not create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds, it feels in my spirit, the same as to you yeah. saying you connecting to the abundance. Yeah. Like I had to take in there have to be days where I have to take in the works of other writers. I was told a long Absolutely. time ago that the best writers are the widest readers. Um, and I have taken that to heart. I'm not great with grammar. It's not, I write a lot oh. more like I speak. Um, even though I have a PhD and a lot of other fancy letters behind my name that say that I should know how to write. I, I, am a much better communicator than I am a writer. I think structurally mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but I will lose that communication ability if I'm trying to constantly just come up with the ideas on my own. Mm. And Mm. so I have to be engaging with community and engaging with everything else and other people's ideas. And sometimes I I desperately and intentionally go out and look at for ideas. I know I will not agree with, and I need to react to those ideas and sharpen my sharpen Mm. how I react and how I articulate so that I can react and not emote. Um, And how does that. that work? And so that's, that's a bit of my process too. I am not great with sitting with, with us, with, with my spirit. It's a growth. Point. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I had to grow into it too, honey. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I thought for sure that I like got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm kind of comfortable with like how I interact with my spiritual self. And then over the last couple of days, I've been like, oh no, no, no. Great. Fantastic. Awesome. More work to do. I love adulthood. Um, but the, but the consumption, but then, so I can come up, read a book and come up with 10 blog posts put those in my content calendar for the days that my anxiety does not let me connect with silence. And I can go ahead and, cause I have a massively, massively high anxiety disorder. Um, I can work off the calendar and that helps me a lot. So I'm getting, my goal is to be you, ma'am. My goal is to get there. Um, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. But I, I, I currently, um, I, I currently am struggling, and so my calendar is my safe space. I also write in tandem with somebody else, which Kai does not. I don't believe do. No, and I do so not. My communication has to be constant. Like my Dr. Aaron and I live on Trello. And we live on Google Drive to be communicating with each other and about our brand. And so I don't, there are times that I knew need to stick to the calendar because we agreed upon that. And it would be a betrayal of our trust, you know, to just write something I didn't tell her I was going to write. Um, so my, my little introvert, my, my favorite introvert, she needs, she likes structure more than I do. Um, and that's a different ballgame. I'm a lot of other people that are going to be listening to you don't write with a partner. Um, and don't write with, and don't have to. And it's a different dynamic than when I was writing my PhD, where like I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning, write 500 words and go back to sleep for an hour. Like I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so. You know, I wanted to add something. Oh, I, oh go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I wanted to add something there, uh, Kristen. And I love that you shared, you know, I, I have a PhD and all these titles after my name. <laughs> I'm still not a good writer because for the longest time, and, and I'm I'm trusting that your audience is really going to appreciate this for, for the beginner writer. I have a high school degree 
And so for a long time, I struggled with not being smart enough, not being good enough. So that was a big, big hurdle for me to get over and to just realize that whatever the information is that I am being called to share, and right. that, that was a work in process, process, you know, well, it'll come. Yeah. And so I, I just wanted to, to, to offer that to the audience, to that person, you know, who is thinking of, well, you know, I can't write because, you know, I'm not smart enough and I, I've been blessed with a husband who is a professional writer. So he edits everything <laughs> because if I had to put my stuff out there, Kristen Lord would help me. <laughs> you know? I mean, I would need- I can't remember where I put semicolons. So like it's-, it's Oh no. no nobody so really knows. Where nobody it. really knows. Yeah. You just freed me up. I just freed you up. You just freed me up. No, more. no, no, wait, wait. It's, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that too, because the other thing I want to go back to something we've both said already. And I just want to reiterate it again in the context of that is that this is practice. Right. Like yeah. writing is practice. If Absolutely. if anyone listening to this finds my stuff and they really like it, I have been writing either hot, like as a hobby or getting paid to do it for almost 30 years. Like that's a, it's longer than anything else I've done. I started writing short stories in my journal when I was seven and that's, I've just been doing it for a really long time. And there is a, so much grace B you heard Kaya talk about editors. I've talked about editors. I know Ken has talked about editors before. Like we all have to have other people look at our ideas. Yes. Yes. That's not a weakness. That's actually a strength. Like that's actually the point of writing rather. And even most speakers have people look at their writing too. Spoiler alert. Um, And that's, it's, it has to be a communal entity because communication is communal. And Mm -hmm. so it has to have other people's eyes on it. And what my biggest, my biggest, hurdle when I first got into, I deal with the, I'm not smart thing all the time too, which I know sounds bananas to people that look at my titles and my qualifications. I know that sounds bananas, but I will still, it was only about a couple of years ago that I learned that the word smart is complete and utter, complete and utter. Oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> it is all intelligence is, is how quickly you process information. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And it's not a measure of worth. It's not a measure of anything else. It's just how quickly can you process information? And we have put smart people in charge of things that they had no business being in charge of. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so true. Because that's not the skill set. The skill set is information processing, not information presenting, not, right. not anything else. It's just processing. And so as you're sitting here and as listening to this and you're like, I, I'm not smart enough. I don't have a degree. I didn't finish high school. I got, I slept through college. I don't have a graduate degree. I don't care. I don't care. I have all of those things that it means nothing except that I've read a lot of books <laughs> and I, I like, that's it. It's all it really, really means. I was taught how to think in a different way. And I had a privilege around that, but that doesn't mean that your words are not valid and your words aren't fantastic. Exactly. And I can't wait to read them. So mm-hmm. hear that from both, both ends of the spectrum, right? Um, that your story needs to be told. The mechanics of how you tell it is learnable. Your story, none Absolutely. of the rest of us can teach you. The mechanics are learnable. Exactly. One interesting thing that I have seen over the years. So I've been a, in my day job, I've been a college prof for 17 years. It feels weird to say that. And it it's strange because we always think of, we equate intelligence and smarts with making straight A's at school. Oof. One mm. thing that I have found, and I'm sure both of you in your, in your experience in life have seen this, that the students who make straight A's all the time, actually, they, they make me nervous a little bit because 
what that tells me is that now I'm painting with a very broad brushstroke here. And I was, mm -hmm. I was typically a straight A student. So I'm kind of speaking like from my own <laughs> messed up psychology problem. Therapy but, hour with Kent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, if there's a priest in the house, maybe I need to have a little confession. Ordained, we can go there. So. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. It is interesting because I think people who are so highly motivated to make straight A's and to do good, quote unquote, in school, that I don't, I don't necessarily think that desire always comes from a place of wanting to learn or be curious. No. It really comes from typically a place of wanting to overachieve. You're, you really want to please other people. And that impulse to always make straight A's in school, I think that that impulse can carry over in unhealthy ways in other parts of your life, which are not good. So the, the students who like that I have in class sometimes who are like, I got this done ahead of time and they do it perfectly and they write way more than I've asked, which they don't realize kind of actually irritates a professor. Cause I'm like, no, I got to read more than what, what I assigned to you. It takes up more of my time. I, I just, I, I really, I tend to have a lot of respect for kind of the B students. They're like, Hey, we're enjoying life. We're going to do our best, but my whole self-worth and self-confidence doesn't depend on a grade that some yeah. professor gave me in class. Yeah. That's probably a whole other podcast episode, but um, this whole thing I think that would be an awesome podcast. It would be yeah. a great podcast episode. My, I'm, oh in my a family, God. I'm in a family business and my brother and I just took over from my dad um, full-time. And so we've been doing leadership and business and conversations most of my life. And my dad will tell you if he isn't here right now that actually the grade he is the most proud of not my two master's degrees, not my PhD, not published articles. The thing that he is the most proud of is a D plus I got in chemistry my junior year of high school because it is the hardest I have ever worked. I sobbed openly taking that test, every single test. I cannot understand chemistry. I don't think that way. It is not how my brain works. I fought tooth and nail for that D plus. And he still has that report, like the report card in his- That desk. is awesome because that's what that. he's the most proud of. And having that frame in my life was so important because I totally was, I, I was the person who thought that being perfect was how you were loved. Hmm. Um, and that's what grades looked like and taught me. And that didn't come from anybody but myself. Like that wasn't something that I, that was a message I gave myself. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, I know we're getting far away from writing, but I think what right. writing can teach, has taught me and can teach everybody is that mistakes are part of the process. Yep. And that Absolutely. the sentences that don't work as you mess with them, where they finally work, it's the greatest feeling in the world. And that the, the point is to, the point is to write it in pencil because your ideas will keep evolving. Kai, I love what you said a second ago about, well, really what both of you have said about collaboration. And I'm curious how much that has added to your personal learning, to you feel like your, your success in your writing and your content. I guess, in other words, would you be where you are today if it weren't for your collaborators? So, Kaya, you mentioned your husband. Kristen, you mentioned your business partner and, and editors and others. How much do those, those people play in, in your own success, in your communication, your storytelling, and your writing? 100%. They're just absolutely. I mean, it, it gives me, because you have to think of it, it gives you that sense of freedom to know that what you're putting out there, I know in my case, and I think Kristen, you can relate to this as well, is that, you know, in my mind, I process things in a certain way. You know, I'm a feeler, 
right? I, you know, I feel things. I'm, I have, a, you know, I, I speak from emotions and feelings and channeling. And, and especially in my work, you know, we need to language that so the average person can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so just in, in, in terms of that sense, and even in terms of grammar, you know, and so it, it it's it's definitely it's. I mean, nothing would happen without that. I could not. I would not even consider putting something wow. out without having my husband look at it. Interesting. Wow, that that's a high compliment to your husband. It really is. Yeah. I gotta meet. I gotta meet him someday. You, got, sounds amazing. you know what's so funny? I have to tell this. I know we're going off subject, but I was raving about your podcast because he's an amazing writer, and I'm like, you need to be listening to this podcast. He's so amazing, and he just said, <laughs> well, thank you. you know, I think I need to be on that podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would like I would to listen to one where the two of you talk about about writing. I would like to listen to that if I could nominate that. <laughs> oh, one one thing that is super interesting as I've gotten into ghostwriting the last couple of years is. I completely agree with this idea of collaboration makes stuff better. You know, when you put in, you know, a lot of, you both deal with a lot of uh, people from a lot, people from a lot of different realms, particularly public speaking, communication, writing, and so forth. And there are people who have great messages, but they just don't like to write. They don't, or they don't have the time, or it's just not something they feel inclined to do. So when you put people who like to write with people who have a good message, you end up with something better than either one of them can come up with on their own. And I'm so thankful for my collaborators too. And people who help make my work better because wow, you, you, you can only go so far on your own without Absolutely. people around you to help make everything that you do a lot better. Absolutely. I think so much of the, I've lived in a couple different cultures and I will say America is the only one that's quite as obsessed with individualism as <laughs> very obsessed. Um, yes. We are, we have a whole fetishization around it, which goes back to the Puritans and how they interacted with, with themselves and with the community. Um, but everywhere else I've gotten a chance to kind of be, I've noticed that there's a completely different language around family as well and a different language around school. And so when I lived in Northern Ireland, for instance, I remember having a conversation with somebody about how your very first collaborators are your family because they're the ones that start teaching you how to think and then you start going to school and your teachers are teaching you how to write and how to think and your fellow classmates are teaching you absolutely no thought you've ever had has bit has not been touched by somebody else and that that's not a weakness that's the point like that's the point and i hate this myth that we have of the solo genius it it stresses me out and angers me more than anything else because i think even so if, if in our business, if I'm the one on this podcast or I'm the one on the stage and I'm giving these messages, Aaron has, I've talked about this with Aaron for two or three years. I've read seven to 10 books about this. Mm -hmm. I've, I've sat in coffee shops with people who give their stories to me. I'm a researcher. It's how I'm trained. My life is like a succubus for other people's lives. <laughs> like that's <laughs> like, that's, I make my living. I make my living consuming the stories of other people, retranslating them and retelling them so that different people can understand them. That's essentially what I do. And if I tried to pretend at any given time that this was just, just me, oh, it yeah. would be an absolute, it would be a violence a, mm -hmm. a, a, to humanity, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I feel that way about just about everybody. Like, I don't care how great Steve Jobs was. He did not create <laughs> Apple by himself. I do exactly. not, like, I just, I just do not care. Right. And Jeff Bezos is, might be evil by himself, but he is not he did not make all that money by himself. And that's just not, 
that is the myth that kills us as creators. The, it, it is. That one and the one that the only good art comes out of pain. Like I want to yeah. kill those two myths. That's and, really unhealthy. Right. That's right. an unhealthy message. Yeah. Good art comes out of everything. Exactly. Good art can come out of everything, but it definitely always comes out of collaboration. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Sorry, I get a little soapboxy when it comes to the myth of the solo genius. I apologize. I'm a little fired <laughs> Go up. Go for it. <laughs> it's true. <There's> you agreement. Know, <laughs> even if you look at, you can apply the same thing to all types of art. Uh, I think particularly music because mm. most of the best music is made by collaboration. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like Paul McCartney. I don't think Paul McCartney's music in general is as good as when he was collaborating with John Lennon. No, John Lennon's stuff is good, but, in that opinion. <laughs> but what's that? I don't think you're alone in that analysis. Yeah, you put them together. It's great. I mean, look at all the, the best the best jazz players of 1950s and 60s. I mean, I like John Coltrane stuff, but we put them together with, with other musicians of his time, and they just had absolute magic. But so. you also think about the producers that are behind. I love that we're talking yeah. about producers more in music. Yes. That like yeah. when you are the secret sauce. Yeah, exactly. Like yes. Yeah. Who are the <laughs> totally. sound engineers? Who are the drummers? Yeah. It like it's it's there's a front man, yeah. but it's never that's not a solo act. And yeah. and and kind of what that looks like. And writing is the same. Whosever name is on the cover of that book is not the one right. who wrote it by themselves. They exactly. are yeah. solely, they are primarily responsible. So much of the time. <laughs> creating that. Yeah. Um, especially not if it's ghostwritten, but like they are primarily yeah. responsible for the labor of creating that work and they have done the work, but I'll tell you, I've got my name on, on a book and I did all a lot of labor to get my name on that PhD, but my acknowledgements page is the most important page in that. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the, uh, as we start to kind of wind this down, what are some of the challenges that both of you face when you're creating your content? We've talked about you know, a variety of things here, but when you think of what is the biggest challenge to getting my, my written content out there, whether it's social media articles, blog posts, uh, TED Talks, whatever it is that, that any of us would do, what are the biggest obstacles that you face? And uh, Kaya, let's start with you. Hmm. You know, that's a great question. And I believe it really ties into the collaboration. Hmm. Again, you know, I think that that's like a through line. And I will say because in the beginning, sort of when I first started, like I mentioned, it took me six hours to write. Mm -hmm. And so part of that was staying consistent with the writing and honestly never giving up. And so then we get to that point. And then when it comes to collaboration, I really, again, I, I, I know I, I repeat that, but I think that's the biggest thing because in terms of that, it not only does it helps me in terms of with my writing, but in terms of getting my message out there. And so with my speaking platform, right, I have a speaking mentor that I work with. So I am leveraging that. I am leveraging my website blog, right? And I'm leveraging social media. I have someone helping me with my social media. So, so when you do that, then it's not so much pressure on yourself. Yeah. And so I love the word leveraging. I think that's the. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And the whole reason why the three of us are talking is because of one person, that is Trisha Brooke. Exactly. She she connected us all. 
which goes back to the power of collaboration, which I love the fact that she emphasizes that so much on her podcast and in her uh, working with, with speakers and, and so forth, because in, in her world where she came from, the theater and mm-hmm. film worlds, you don't do anything by yourself. <laughs> right. Everything is collaborative right. on every level, for sure. So Kristen, how about you? What are some of your biggest obstacles or your biggest obstacle if you want to just pick one? Um, quieting my brain and picking one idea instead of 900, because there's usually about that many up there, um, is a huge one. And then I struggle a lot with the idea of getting it done perfectly hmm. um, and having the if it's a blog post or it's an email, like I labor under this myth sometimes that like, that's the only time that that person may ever come across that idea. And so I have to tell them everything. I have to explain mm. my whole self all the time and I have to do it perfectly or, um, and I put a lot of, a lot of responsibility on myself that way um, for some very valid reasons and, and some ones that are just my baggage. So I would say it's, it's those two primarily it's, it's, choosing one message and letting it be the beginning of a conversation instead of the entire conversation. Wow. We could go on for three or four hours with, with the themes that that we've talked about. Hey, this is, this is absolute gold. And um, I'm going to be thinking of how how we can all collaborate on something in the future. I don't know what that is or what that looks like, but (laughs) I just, I really, really love connecting and meeting with smart, empathetic, visionary creative people and uh Kyan and Kristen you both absolutely fall into that category so I'm so thankful that we've had the opportunity to do this today um one final thing here can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you find out more about your work read your writing connect with you on social media anything that you want to share well, ours is kind of easy. We are Abby Research, A-B-B-E-Y Research as one word across like every social platform because we're not creative. We are not on TikTok because it scares us. Definitely find us on YouTube. We post somewhere around five to six videos a week in various different topics and analyses. Um, but then also LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, I run our Instagram. So if you particularly like my sense of humor, find me on Instagram. Um, and then in terms of writing, when you get to those places, you'll find a place to sign up for our newsletter. Awesome. I love it. Thanks so much. And Kai, how about you? Yes. Same thing here. You can reach me on my website at Kaya, and you, I'm sure you'll have a link for it, yep. but Kaya, KayaKRain.com. Also, I am on Instagram under at KayaKRain.com, LinkedIn. Uh, I agree with you. I have not even looked at TikTok. <laughs> no, nope, it's a no for me. Clubhouse it, gives me no vibes. Like right. <laughs> it's a no go for me. But you can also sign up for uh, my newsletter. And also, if if, uh, if what I s- spoke of resonate with you, you could get a 30-minute complimentary call and we can do all that fun stuff. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you both so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait wow. to have you back on the show, whatever form that might take. And yes. uh, looking forward to getting to know both of you better and not following you on TikTok. That's <laughs> on my not exactly. list. Exactly. The feeling is mutual, so. sir. It's been an honor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you so Absolute delight. Thank you so much. Well, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kaya and Kristen. My main takeaway from this conversation is the importance of creating content and simply getting it done. 
it is so easy to just overthink it and to get paralyzed because we're not doing all the social media channels, we're not involved in every single thing that's out there and so forth. It is easy to get really overwhelmed with it all, but just pick one or two things and do them well, whether it's blog posts, articles, social media, podcasting, or something else. Don't get hung up on doing everything at once. These two ladies are an amazing example of just kind of picking your thing and going for it and not getting hung up on trying to do everything, but really putting yourself out there and touching people by simply taking action. Well, a huge thank you to our guests, Kaya Rain and Dr. Kristen Donnelly. I want to encourage you to make sure and check out our show notes because there will be links to their websites and social media and other items. So make sure to go there so you can check out all the cool things that both of these amazing women are doing. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I want to take a moment to let you know about our daily writer membership community. You know, one of the very best ways to develop better habits and impact more people's lives with your writing is to spend time around other successful writers. So if you're tired of feeling isolated and chasing success on your own, then I know you're going to love the daily writer community. For years, I searched for the kind of writing community that I would want to join, but I could never find what I wanted. So I created my own. Some of the features include weekly writing sprints, monthly community calls, book discussions, calls with guest experts, and much more. For more info, you can visit dailywriterlife.com community. Thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow.